Ah, yes, there is the music, and the proverbial puck has been dropped. We're back underway. Cool button, uncensored hockey podcast, episode 30. They said it couldn't be done, but we done it. We're up to 30, Craig Button. Craig, you're uh, you're relaxed today. You're happy. While the rest of the uh, hardworking North American society was at work on Wednesday, Craig Button and his lovely wife were drinking champagne and eating chocolate-covered strawberries. Is it true? I saw your Instagram post. Is it true you were skiing all day in Alberta yesterday? It's very true. Uh, The champagne and chocolate-covered strawberries is not true, although that would have been nice. The weather was right around freezing, and so that was a nice, lovely day. Lots of powder, not a lot of traffic, and... You know what? When you got the mountains at your uh, at your doorstep, you go and take advantage. So, uh, you know what? There's other times of the day that I work. And yesterday, Wednesday, I was working on my carving. Unbelievable, epic day on the slopes. The snow, best snow they've had since 1955. 1955, maybe not the best snow, but the most snow they've had this time of the year. So I'm taking advantage of it. And there'll be other days when the other Great hardworking people around the world will be doing their thing, and I'll be on the slopes then as well. <laughs> well said. I've enjoyed my outdoor time up in a place called Myrtle, backyard rank 20 by 80. Posted something the other night, uh, played in winter classic temperatures of minus 15, 20 Celsius. It was zero, zero Celsius on the Wednesday night. Played for two and a half hours, came home, and Watch some TNT. It's uh, if you don't, people who hate winter don't embrace it. So if you want to stay inside and and do nothing, of course you'll hate it. But for those of us who like to be active and you know participation, that's what we like to do. So it's a lot of fun, Mr. Craig Button. I really really enjoy it as I do talking to you about hockey. When we last left off on as the cool button world turns, we wondered what the what happened with the soap opera of Evander Kane. Well, oh my goodness, Ken Holland speaks. So does number 97 on the 13th of January, 25 years of age. They didn't poo-poo or throw water on a Evander Kane to eventual Oilers, you know, return, if you want to call it, to the NHL. So now that we know the Oilers appear to be the front runner, what do you make of this, Watson? What do you think about, uh, you know, you've been a manager. Do you put out trial balloons to see what the fans might think? Uh, it felt like Kenny Holland did that the other day. We've talked about Evander Kane, the hockey player. There's no debate how good he is. There's zero debate, nor should there be any debate about how good he is. Now, a, a, a very, uh, I'll call it unique scenario has presented itself to the Edmonton Oilers. And, then, and, and it's unique in two respects. Number one, the opportunity to add this, very, very significant player on the ice to play left wing with Connor McDavid. Now, when I say that, uh, you know, we have to make sure that we understand that, you know, I'm not going to say the first order of business, but you're trying to make your team as good as possible. Evander Kane, as a hockey player, makes the Edmonton Oilers better. I I laugh when I hear people say, well, uh, you know, that – Evander Kane, like uh, Edmonton's uh, certainly on the top five teams. What? 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 Like, Evander, we're going to give you an opportunity to play with Connor McDavid, the best player on the planet, which gives you an opportunity to resurrect your career. And we're not number one, clear cut. 
there should only be one choice for Evander Kane if the Edmonton Oilers are embracing him as a player. And that, and, and that should be playing with McDavid. What an opportunity falls into his lap. Second part of this now is, as we said, I don't think Ken Holland's throwing out trial balloons about uh, to the fans or whatnot. Bottom line, and, and, and I don't think it was fair, uh, you know, when people go after Connor McDavid for saying it is what it is. You know, you're going to talk to your key players. Ken Holland's going to talk to his key players. He's going to try to understand what does it mean to have Evander Kane on our team. Not the player. That, that's the easy part. It's the other parts. You know, what's happened? I'm going to hazard a guess, Steve, and it's a guess. That Evander Kane comes to the Edmonton Oilers if that's where he ultimately signs. And you're going to get the best absolute best of Evander Kane on the ice. And I don't think that he's, that he would be posing any distraction off the ice other than there's going to be constant questions, right? There's going to be constant questions. What Connor McDavid said, it is what it is. Everybody wants to define it without even diving into it. And to me for he, he, Connor McDavid's not flippant. Connor McDavid's not dismissive, but for him to have to start answering questions along that nature, and to, to, to me, I don't think it's, uh, I, I think the criticism of Connor McDavid was uh, very unfair. I don't know what people expect him to do to, to solve all the, uh, all, the, all, all, all the issues in the world. No, Connor McDavid's a hockey player. And now Connor McDavid wants to understand what does this mean for our team? And what does this mean for us as players? And how can we handle this? That's what Ken Holland should be doing with respect to the invest, you know, looking into Evander Kane coming to the team. That's my take. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I kind of laugh a little bit because people in the media, of course, are so perfect and so are the fans and how dare the Oilers give another chance, whether it's the third or the ninth or whatever it ends up being um, to Evander Kane. Like how dare they is almost the, you know, underlying conversation and then at the end mcdavid was getting a little irritated and he basically almost said what it's like inside the room or on the ice is none of your business and then imagine dot 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 after the oilers played the season with or without kane and missed the playoffs and then the rumblings if they started the mcdavid has had enough you know, had enough of his seven years there and then they'd say how dare mcdavid not want to play here anymore Oh, so it kind of works, I say, both ways or all three ways or all four ways. They sat around and said, okay, are we willing to take whatever there is in baggage? And there's clearly some. I'm not saying there's nothing. They discuss and almost, and it's almost, look, you, you're at the poker table with Daniel Negreanu and, you know, Hem Huth and these guys, and you're going, okay, I'm, I'm low stack now. I, you know, I'm not in a position of strength. We've got all California teams ahead of us. All California teams, they were all supposed to be below us, and they were when we were 9-1, and 16-5. and five. So we got to start doing, okay, if it's Kane and me, McDavid, and maybe a Zach Cassian, then I got Dreisaitl, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and Jesse Pugliarvi. I move Hyman down to the third spot. That can insulate Ryan McLeod and then Yamamoto. That nine, the way I kind of – Craig, I just – you've taught me well. I brought up last week when we did not know anyone was interested, when our colleagues at SiriusXM, nobody wanted him. Nobody wanted him. They, they said, no way, he'll never play in the NHL again, was kind of the theme. He'll go to the KHL. And I said, well, I'm going to throw this out there, not just to be devil's advocate, but I said, if it was me, I'm going to throw out two teams, but I threw out the Oilers, and I'd have him 
And the fact that Ken Hollins is down that path. Thank you, Craig, for teaching me at the school of Craig Button GM uh, Inc. I'm not going to pay you for it, but I'd love it to say I'm going to get I'm going to try it. And you know what? Now that they're back and they're going to play Saturday, let's go like they got to go. And the math isn't Vancouver math. It's not Detroit Red Wing math to try to make the playoffs. They're there. So here we go. And for the Oilers, it is playoffs, Craig, or bust. Like they better get in. And I, why would they go after, why would they go after Kane when they need a goalie? Kane's free. Kane's free. So if they get Kane and then, so that's how I look at it. We're not saying we're, 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 we're going to be right. We talked about Vegas last week. Vegas has shopped at Rodeo Drive. They only shop at Rodeo Drive, Eichel and Pacioretty and Stone and Petrangelo. That's where I shop. Okay, that's fine. The Oilers, the Oilers are shopping at, at Bargain Heralds, and they're there now. And guess what? They might have a, they might have a steal or a deal. And I get what they're doing. I would do it too. So, so he, he, you know, one of the things I'll add to that, and then on to the next topic. On to the next co- topic. Period number two coming up. I would say this. Everybody tells me there's there, there's risk. Okay, so what is the risk? What is the risk? There's no risk from a salary cap point of view. There's no risk from a from a long term uh, contract point of view. I've said that Evander Kane at seven million dollars adds value. There was no. We're talking about as a hockey player. That's what you signed him for as a hockey player. At seven million, there was massive value in, in Evander Kane. Right. So now you can get them at a lot lower price at, at a short term. Right. Risk. There's no risk in terms of the salary cap. Now you you look at what he can do on the ice. No risk there. So now you evaluate how you mitigate against the the, the other parts of it, the, the off ice parts of it. And like I said, my, you, you sit down and you, you, you spend time with your key players. You spend time with your coaching staff. You spend time with. Evander Kane, if it comes close to that, right? I, I, if I'm looking at it, I would say if, if things went completely off the rails, there's still no risk. Because then you just say, we tried, it didn't work, and we go on and take the criticism, right? But I, but my, my feeling is, is Evander Kane who come in there, he's, he, he's got to look at this as some kind of an opportunity that doesn't come along very often to play with the best player on the planet. And to me, when I start to look at the risk, is there any? Is there any? Zero. Zero. The day you listen to, and I know Mark Spector went off and some other people, the day you listen to the media and the fans is the day you sit among them. The risk is zero. He's in for 24 hours and it doesn't work. And McDavid goes, Kenny, then he's gone. If it's two weeks, if it's whatever it is, then he's out. So uh, if I'm Kane, I do it. He's got $23 million to make up. Maybe he makes up a prorated million. Uh, Rask signed, and we're going to go to the Bruins next. So a prorated deal at a million now is 540000 Take it, shut up, and play hockey, and then see where it goes from here. So I'm with you on that regard. I'm sometimes surprised at you know, certain backlash or, or, or feedback. I just wish I could hang out with these people on Twitter and these people in the media that are perfect you know, that are, are flawless and have never done anything. And he's a bad guy. If we didn't allow guys who were bad guys to play sports, we'd have two teams in every league in North America, Mr. Button. We'd have two teams in every Well, league. I'm going to say this, okay? So, like, you know, so, okay, I'm, you know, people are going to make their comments and everything. 
So let me ask you this. So like, are, are, are you going to take a principled stand and, and not go cover the team now? Because it, because it violates your, 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 your belief system. I, I asked that question. I was talking to Katrina LeMay-Done, Canada's chef de mission for the 2022 Beijing Olympics. And this is a, a month ago. We were chatting and, and all the talk about, oh, the athletes should boycott China. Oh, really? So, so now you got these issues with China, right? Whatever they may be, but, but you're going to put it on the athletes' backs. You're going to put it on the athletes' backs. Oh, yeah, you, you athletes go who have trained in the Olympics and everything, but you go, you, you need to go and boycott. Really? Really? That's what you're suggesting? Well, then I'll tell you this. Like, if I was an athlete, I would say, no problem. I will consider that if your newspaper or your media outlet will consider not covering the Olympics as well. What do you think the chances of that happening are, Steve? Oh, well, it's news. It's different. No, it isn't. Don't expect athletes to carry your water. Okay. If you don't believe in something, that's fine. We respect it. Don't, don't expect Connor McDavid to carry your water, whatever it is. That's what I'm telling people. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I go even further. So those tires that you bought on sale from China and uh, the computer and the laptop, oh, yeah. it's great to fight all the fights when you say oh, yeah. you fight it. Yeah. I'm not living outside. I, I need a laptop still. I, I, you know, I still need fossil fuel, but if you shouldn't, you uh, Craig, that's why we've got more division than ever before. Yep. Uh, I think it's mostly happened in the last seven years, but okay. Tuka Rask, Boston Bruins, back is Rask, Swayman to the minors. They had a pause in Boston. So Bruce Cassidy, I like things. What do I do? What do I do? He moves 88. He changes the top three lines. Boy, oh boy. Yeah, they had some easier competition earlier. Six and one going into action on Thursday. And Brad Marchand. I'm watching the Capitals Bruins <laughs> the other night. I'm watching the game. It's 2-0. I love how it's 2-0. It's not over. If Ken Hitchcock, your Ken Hitchcock was up 2-0 in 1998-99, I'd say, okay. I'm going to watch the love boat here or uh, <laughs> fantasy Island. <laughs> and I say that, I know, I know why I say that Julie McCoy, uh, I would be tattooed, but anyway, I guess what happens. Well, Marchand gets cut. He has to go off. Um, not to the dressing room, to the bench. They stuff him up. They patch him up. The power play is terrible. He comes back, but a boom, but a bing. And then on Neston, they put up the stat. Since the end of the World Cup, the beginning of the 2016-17 season, which will be 17, 18, 19, 21, 22, we're in the fifth year of the season. They ranked the top four scores in the NHL. Now, I saw Marchand's name highlighted, so sometimes it goes like 1, 2, you know, 11, you know, you have, you know on a board. He's third. I, I stop it. McDavid, Dreisaitl, Marchand. Oh, my God. For a guy who thinks he knows everything, I'm blown away. Oh, my God. Well, he goes on to have a night, right? A, a special night. And then he goes on to have another special night in eating up on the Laval rocket. So I just love the guy. I get why he is so upset about the Olympics. But if he keeps aging like this, he's better in his 30s than he was in his early 20s. No doubt about that. He was a third-line left winger. Yep, third-line left winger. Shut up. Do your thing. He's an example of skill development, of believing in himself, of not listening to outside noise and saying, why not? His development wasn't there at 22 the way others are, right? Gretzky's best year was 22. Wayne even said it. 
because he kind of was playing at four and at 22. <laughs> no, nobody. And that's a long time. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Wayne said it. You know, 22 is my best year. I see him with the skill stuff. And you could argue the best two-way, 200-foot player in the game. If it was the Olympics, I do believe it would be Marchand. It would, I, I would change it. Marchand, McDavid, Stamkos to leave Crosby on another line or to have McKinnon on his own line. Maybe Crosby's on his wing. Uh, we all know Canada would have won gold anyway at the best on best, partly because of 63. Like he is still getting better. I don't know if Canada would have won anyway. I'd be careful with that, <laughs> uh, that line there because there's some good countries out there with really good players. And so that being said, so, so, so I'm just going to quickly ask you a question. Why do you want to break up something that's so incredibly good with 63, 87, and 37. Why do you want to break it up? I got Huberto playing with McDavid. He's a brilliant player. I'm not messing with something I already know works. Don't mess. And that, Crosby's not playing the wing. Give me a break. Come on, Mr. Coolius. The two best centers, McDavid, Crosby. They're not playing the wing. Not on my team. And well, not on John Cooper's team either. Well, then you would have had McKinnon on the right wing. No, I wouldn't have. I would have had McKinnon as my third line center. Hey, try to match up this lineup here. That's how I would have had it. I'd All had right. Stamkos on the right wing with uh, McDavid. I already told you what my lines were. So give me your third line left winger and right winger. My third line left winger? Yeah. Ryan O'Reilly. And who's on the other side? On the other side is, uh, who did I have? Braden Point. Okay. So you saved Stone for the fourth line? Yeah, maybe. Maybe? Yeah. Come on. Stone's What about there. Marner? What are you going to do, eliminate Marner? Well, he's dropping. He's dropping. I, okay, I had... Say, I'm just... I, I'm just... I'm, like, I'm not saying, like, I mean, the, there's an incredible amount of depth. Okay? All I'm saying is, I'm not breaking up 63, 87, and 37. You can go and do it. Huberto's a heck of a player. Now, now, that being said, you can also go back one more year and add one more year to that. And Marchand is still third after McDavid and Dreisaitl. How about this? Okay, and I'm going to get to this in a second. But in that span, so from, from the beginning of the 16-17 season to right now, what team do you think has the best penalty-killing percentage during that span? Boston Bruins. That's right. And Brad Marchand is a penalty killer. Who has the most shorthanded points? During that span in the entire National Hockey League. Boston Bruins, and I'll say 63, followed by 37. Uh, Brad Marchand is the correct answer. Who has the most shorthanded goals in that span? 63. That's exactly, exactly right. So, you know, I, I, like I'm telling you, Steve, like he, he has to start to be discussed, not start to be. It, he, he, he needs to be talked about in Selkie Selkie Trophy conversation. He's that good. You talk about the development of his game, right? Brad's always been a player that's been gifted offensively, found his way, and continues to find his way. I, I, I think he's, a, he's so smart. Two-time first-team All-Star left winger. Two-time uh, two second-team All-Star left winger. Two, Olymp two, two World Junior gold medals. Uh, a World Championship gold medal. A World Cup gold medal. A Stanley Cup. All the accolades. You know why he's so disappointed about not being in the Olympics? It would just be another trophy if they won the gold medal and put on the mantle. It would complete 
the championship mantle for Brad Marchand. And, and we have to understand why that is so disappointing for him not to be able to participate because he may never get another chance. And to me, you know, when you think about Brad Marchand, he, he, he's one of the best players in the National Hockey League. He's not just one of the best wingers. He's one of the best players in the entire National Hockey League. I love the way he plays. I love the way he's developed his game. I love the way he's progressed. And when, when you consider where he's, where, where he's been at in his 30s, are, are we looking perhaps at Nicholas Lidstrom-esque performance into his 30s? Well, he's not slowing down. The way he moves and skates, I think he's going to age well because he's already st- like he's already aging, and we're not noticing it. Like when you start to age and you see players, and I can name players where okay, so he'll have to change. And because he's so good defensively, at worst, as he gets to his late thirties, if he if he had to move down to go back where he started as a third line winger and a defensive specialist, he would still be able to play at that point. Okay, the production would come down. But I'm not so sure yet. Like I'm, it, it's we've seen quick drop-offs in, in certain players. In this situation, man, I'm not willing to count out that four years later at 37, that 63 wouldn't have a place, you know, in Paris or wherever, wherever the heck we're gonna go. Or I'm not gonna let me listen. I I just said Nick Lidstrom esque. Nick Lidstrom didn't win a Norris Trophy until he was in his 30s. Then he won one at 40 to complete seven. Like, you know, just think about Nick Lidstrom and just think about the, that's why when I say is Brad Marchand, you know, uh, Lidstrom-esque, just stop and think about that for a second. He, he's still performing, still a top performer in the league right now. And Steve, guess what? Since we began this podcast on this Thursday, I've aged. So have you. So no <laughs> kidding we're aging. No kidding Brad Marchand's aging, right? All I'll tell you is this. He is, I'll tell you what he is. He's a, he's a, he's a almost a hundred point wine. That's what he oh, is. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And the way he's aging, it's almost reversed. He's like Benjamin Button, the way things are going. So uh, good for the Bruins. So uh, before we get to our friends at sports interaction, so the Bruins now this surge and the switch by Bruce Cassidy, which is working Eric Halla. I don't know. If David Krejci who's going to the Olympics is going to come back after the Olympics. Um, I'm, I'm, I guess everyone's happy except Jeremy Swayman. I guess we've got our eight teams, right? Carolina Capitals, Pittsburgh Rangers, the Florida teams, Toronto and Boston. So we could save ourselves time. We could start the playoffs on the Ooh, first. Don't be. Oh, whoa, Camel. Stop there. Stop there. Okay. Well, no, we cannot start the playoffs now. It may look like it's a, a, there's a, there's places there. 2019, 2019. Where were the St. Louis Blues on whoa, January thirteenth? Whoa, whoa. whoa, Camel again! I'm going to guarantee these eight teams are the playoff teams. Okay, fine. You can guarantee now. them. I'm just saying we're not starting the playoffs today. Well, I know we're not. I, we got some. Revenue don't even suggest out. it. Stop right now. You're, yeah, I, I, I just dug you out of the hole you dug yourself into. Okay, so the Bruins are what in the Atlantic or in the conference now? Listen, I, I the Boston Bruins are a good team. Like, I and and you talk about David Krejci, right? Did you did, did you see David Krejci's comments talking about David Pasternak moving to the to off the line with Bergeron Marchand? David Krejci's paying attention to the Boston Bruins. I think that was really telling. Tuka Rask, take a little bit of a rest, get my hip in order. It's not clicking anymore. 
wow, he's been pretty good with a clicking hip. How good will he be without a clicking hip? And there's no way you cannot explore David Craig, an option of David Craig coming back if you're the Boston Bruins. Listen, Eric Hala, nice player, nice hardworking player. Down the lineup guy, I'm watching the game. He cannot make plays in the middle of the ice to take advantage of Taylor Hall and David Pasternak, right? David Krejci, oh boy. Don Sweeney, Don, this is uh, David. This is Don. Uh, I can't come to the Olympics. I'll be watching closely. Wish you all the best. Maybe you can repeat 1998 for Chechia. But uh, when the Olympics finish, I'd really like you to come back to our team. And you know what? Would you like to play with David Pasternak? We'll, we'll keep Smith up with Bergeron and Marshan. How about you play with Pasternak? <laughs> That's my call would be. <laughs> All right. Time now for KB on Ice. An inside look at the National Hockey League brought to you by our friends at Sports Interaction, Canada's sports book. All right, Craig, we don't always have to keep score. I mean, why do we always have to keep score? <laughs> we can keep score of the games, and I can keep score, and you can keep score of your own sports interaction. Bank accounts, what you have is yours, what I have is mine. Okay, so uh, what do you like heading into tonight and the weekend, my friend? Well, what I like going into, the, into Thursday night's games is I like the Boston Bruins. We talked about the Boston Bruins, a team had the 600 uh, above 600 winning percentage. They annihilate, they annihilate the Washington Capitals. They annihilate uh, the Montreal Canadiens. I think they're going to annihilate the Philadelphia Flyers on this Thursday night. And Brad Marchand, mark my words, and I'm going to make another thing right at the end of this. Brad Marchand is in the running, in the running for the Selkie. He has become that good of a defensive forward. I love him. We talked about him earlier in this show. Unbelievable. And the stat that I threw out, just, just unbelievable on number 63. So um, I like St. Louis at home, and I'll give Seattle a puck and a half. Are you kidding me? It, at, at worst, it'll be an empty net goal. Like, like I want to give you some gimmies, okay? Not Patrick Stefan gimmies. We know how that turned out some years ago. Uh, and I'm going to gamble a little bit. Rangers on the road in San Jose. If you're giving me a goal and a half, I'm, I'm going to take San Jose tonight. I, I, I'm going to do it because that's how you make a little bit more Sazichas, Gino Tadas, and Pittsburgh LA. I want to take LA as well and take a puck and a half. If they're giving, I'm going to take. I know it's a bit of a gamble, Craig. That's okay. This is okay to take a gamble. Like it's an educated gamble. And who gives us the best information? You got it. Sports interaction. So you can be confident like me. Check out all odds, props, and totals on SIA.com. That's SIA.com. And sign up today at sportsinteraction.com forward slash cool button to place your bets. Sports interaction is Canada's sportsbook. All right. Mr. Craig Button, I'm good friends with Andy Strickland. Uh, Cam and Strick, Strick and Cam, uh, made some waves. They had a guest by the name of Bobby Clark. I'm sure people have heard of him. Uh, he's been an executive for a long time. Was a pretty good hockey player back in the day, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, star of 72, star of the uh, 74 and 75 Flyers when they won the Stanley Cup, although Bernie Perrant was a back-to-back -back Conn Smythe Trophy winner. He goes off. He goes off on his ex-Flyer buddy Ron Hextall, who won the Consmite in 87 himself, was the Flyer GM. Maybe she'll, still should have been, did some good things. I'm not sure why it all didn't work out. But then Bobby Clark goes off about Kale McCarr, Nolan Patrick, 
what we wanted, what he wanted, you name it. He Ryan O'Reilly, he ripped him. What what do you make of this, Watson? Is this Bobby Clark protecting Flyer turf because the Flyers are not going to make the playoffs this year? Does he hate Ron Hextall that much? Now we normally don't see or hear this in our sport. It was it was fun. It's a Flyer soap opera. What do you make of this, Watson? Joe Watson, what do you make of this? Who, well, don't forget about his brother Jimmy. Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> Here, here, here's what I would say to you. Yeah. And let me ask you this trivia time, Mr. Steve Coolius trivia question. You got three seconds to answer. Name the Watson brothers hometown. I don't know it. Oh boy. Smithers BC, but we'll continue on. You should have known that Bob Clark, three time heart trophy winner as well with the Flynn Flynn. Flyers. I know him Flynn Flynn. Yeah. Oh yeah. So anyway, as we carry forth, the face of the uh, Philadelphia Flyers yesterday, today, forevermore is Bob Clark. He's the face of the Philadelphia Flyers. There's no question about it. And uh, maybe sometime well, well into the future, that'll change. But, but, but he is the face of the He wears the Philadelphia Flyers on, on his sleeve. He, 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 he cares so much about them. That's number one. Number two, Bob Clark is honest. He's as honest as honest can be. There's no BS. So you know what? You're starting to hear, like, you know, and, and, and this is what makes what, what makes Bob Clark to me uh, so unique. And, and, and not unique in, in the sense of being honest or anything, but just, you know what? He doesn't know a different way of saying, you know, we blew it. And the way I would portray what Bob Clark said is, is that, there are probably lots of questions. Why didn't you take McCarr? The scouting staff is probably getting a lot of a lot of flack for not taking McCarr. You know, you take Patrick, you see where McCarr's at, right? And Bob Clark says, enough. I'm going to defend the scouting staff. I was in those meetings. I know what was happening. So I'm going to say our scouting staff wanted him. So then isn't the next question is, well, who did want him? So what's Bob Clark going to do? Say, well, I don't know. He's going to say the manager didn't want him. Right. So, you know, bottom at the end of the day, Bob Clark's speaking from a from a from a position of knowledge. That's what he's speaking from, right? And that's honesty. Okay, so people might say, Oh boy, can you believe what he's saying? He's just being honest. Is it the truth? You know what? I haven't heard anything from Ron Hextall, right? He talks about Ryan O'Reilly. They could have had, I mean, again, he cares about the Philadelphia Flyers. Bob Clark was instrumental in Ron Hextall becoming a general manager with the Philadelphia Flyers. I don't know what his input was in the dismissal of Ron Hextall, but I can tell you this right now, Ron Hextall left there. I'm not here to speculate on what could have happened if he stayed or not. Bob Clark's honest, straightforward. Here's what happened. Here's the truth of the matter. And if you don't like it, it's not for me to deal with it. You all deal with it. But oh my Lord, can you imagine Bob Clark, what he said? Hey, What's wrong with it? Well, I'm, uh, what's wrong with it? Normally, you would say that you don't um, you don't go back and start doing certain things that you consider would be unprofessional. Like some would say that's unprofessional. Well, maybe Bobby Clark should have talked to Ron Hextall. Maybe they did in his firing. I'm not. First of all, I love it. Okay, now I'm hoping that someone talks about Mark Bergevin. You know, and what he did or didn't do in Montreal. And we can go on and on and on. So for us, this is great. This is fun. It's entertainment. Um, now, Ron's not going to come out 
and defend himself. It doesn't work that way. Maybe he should to say, no, no, this isn't true. Because there's three sides to every story. Officer pulls somebody over, talks to them. You were in a fight. Yeah, well, this is my side of the story. Okay, then I'll talk to the other person. And then I got to kind of realize who's lying, who's telling the truth and everything else. Craig, you tell me, you've been in those meetings. If the entire scouting staff says, we want Kale McCarr, and Craig Button says, yeah, screw all of you. I'm making the change. Like, does it work that way where one guy can make the bill on Capitol Hill a law or not a law that you go, nope, nope. I've seen Nolan Patrick nine times. You guys have seen all these guys thousands of times combined. I'm going to make the call on Nolan Patrick. And that's where, again, the Craig Button School of Managing, I just thought to myself, I, I, I'm, it seems fishy to me. Okay, well, okay, so, so you can be skeptical. I'm not telling you not to be skeptical. That's fine. I'm going to say this. Yeah, one person can do that. And and trust me, it's happened. It's happened a lot more than you may even think. Oh. Okay? Like, oh. trust me, it happens. Okay? So the bottom line is, everybody sits here. Ron Hextall has a choice here. He His choices are, you know, that's not exactly how it happened. Or you want to know something? Bob Clark's exactly right. What happens if Ron Hextall came out and said, yeah, Bob Clark's exactly right? Well, then what? That'd be a wild moment. Keep in mind. Well, okay. Keep in mind. I don't think it was unprofessional. Why? Unprofessional that he's defending his scouting staff for not taking for, for them. Because remember, why didn't you take McCarr? Why don't you take McCarr? How could you not take McCarr? And it becomes incessant. It becomes incessant, incessant. So Bob Clark's sticking up for his scouting group saying, no, 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 folks. We wanted Kale McCarr. And, you know, and, and the scouts were pushing for him. Our decision was we made a decision on, uh, on on Nolan Patrick, and 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 here's the person that made the decision. Managers have to make decisions. It doesn't mean they're always right, but don't don't ever think for a second that that managers won't step and say, "Hey, listen, I, I, this is what this is the path we're going in," despite disagreement. Like it happens. But Bob Clark defending his scouting staff—that's unprofessional. That's Bob Clark to a T sticking up for his team. That is why Bob Clark was such a great leader. That's why Bob Clark will forevermore be the face of the Philadelphia Flyers. Like I said, you talk about the three sides. Ron Hextall can respond. He can respond and say, Bob Clark's a liar. That's not true. That's the, and, and he can choose not to. That's fine also, right? All I know is this, is if somebody ever said something about me that wasn't true, I wouldn't remain silent. That's all I know. I would okay. not remain silent. And sometimes, it, and, and if it is true, just acknowledge it. Yeah, Bob Clark's right. Well, I was going to ask you that, and you answered it for me um, before we move on in the same kind of uh, category of scouting and drafting and everything. Um, if I'm Hextall, I speak, and you can say some of the things Bob said are true, some are not. I'm not going to go through everything with a fine-tooth comb. Uh, I love my time as a Philadelphia Flyer, blah, 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 or come out and say that's incorrect. Uh, it'd be one thing if he said, no, Bob Clark really liked Nolan Patrick. <laughs> That's the real truth. We all like Kale McCarr and see how the, uh, this, uh, kind of storm would shift after that point. But, uh, I like you would say something if uh, it was me, uh, maybe we should effort to reach out to Ron Hextall and say, Ron, the puck is on your stick. And he was pretty good handling the puck when it was on his stick in his career. I will only tell you this, Steve, going back to that draft. And, and, and I know because I'm, I'm in the arenas and I'm around all the different scouting personnel, right? Yeah. I know for a fact Kale McCarr was in discussions for first overall with the New Jersey Devils. 
He was in discussions at second overall with the Philadelphia, just based on over the course of the year, not at the draft, because I don't know who a team is going to take. I just know that over the course of a year, the questions I get from different people about this player, that player, right? You, you get a pretty good idea of who they're looking at. Keep this in mind about the Philadelphia Flyers. People say, oh yeah, well, what happened? The Philadelphia Flyers moved up from 12 to two that year in the lottery. Here's the other part. How much were they paying attention to the top players? Well, that nicely segues into our final segment. And before we run out of time, what does all this mean for 2022? I saw Craigslist uh, in the rankings. There are people that just want more points, I guess. They just want more points from Shane Wright. So they, they rip him and you say that he's Patrice Bergeron. And if you don't want Patrice Bergeron, but if you think there's a Mario Lemieux in the draft, we'll take Mario Lemieux. If you think there's a Kale McCarr in the draft, then take Kale McCarr. But I'm telling you about a Patrice Bergeron. And if you want to pass on him, you can pass on him. And as people still poke and prod you to try to say, what about the Europeans? What about Cooley? No relation. Um, what about some of these other guys? You basically think that there's a gap after Shane Wright. I'm not asking you to defend yourself. You can talk about Shane Wright or this year's draft. I always like to know how kind of how deep it is and how special. It's not 03. It's not 79. Is it 2017? Um, and you think it'll be right wire to wire on Craigslist. Well, I mean, I, 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 I've seen all the players. I've seen them lots. I, I know them. Okay. And like, I mean, people can d- d- argue with me or say, I don't know him well enough. Like I'm confident in my assessment. I don't think there's a better player than Shane Wright, but, but here's the key thing here, Steve. Okay. All first overall picks are not created equal. You have Ovechkin, you have Crosby, you have McDavid, they're generational. You have McKinnon, you have Matthews, they're superstars. You have your stars in there too. And, and then you have some, some guys that are just like very good NHLers, some that are just solid NHLers, not even, not even very good, just solid performing NHL players. There's going to be 32 first-round draft picks in the 2022 NHL draft. I can guarantee you, you're hoping, you're, you're hoping to get a star out, out, out of the first round, right? Here's the reality, Steve. You should be happy just getting a regular NHLer. If you go back and look at the at the drafts, like, you know, just look at all the players that they get drafted. And, oh, yeah, this guy. No, he isn't. No, he isn't. He's going to be a good regular player, hopefully, if he develops. Logan Stanley, I don't know what he was, the 18th pick overall. I think he could be a number four defenseman. Right now, he's a bottom pair defenseman. Like, is there anything wrong with that? But everybody wants to wants to overproject and everything. And everybody, wants, oh, this guy's going to be this. And I can tell you this. I got I got a hard line in, in in my in my list of who I think has the capability to be a I don't see a superstar in this draft. That doesn't mean there won't be one emerge like Nikita Kucherov. <laughs> that doesn't mean or Henrik Lundqvist in the seventh round. That doesn't mean there won't be one emerge. I'm just saying I don't see one right now. I don't see I see I, I see some star quality. I got four guys. That's it. It stops at four. Right. Doesn't that and, and that's my top four guys. I think that right in the Bergeron mold, I think Logan Cooley, who's such a such an elite skilled uh, offensive player. I think that Joachim Kemmel, who reminds me of David Pashnick back to the Bruins, and Simon Nemitz, who to me is a right shot defenseman that does so many outstanding things in the game. Now we can debate is there a fifth, is there a sixth, or what about this guy? What about that guy? That's my line. That's my line. 
Now, could there be one that comes out that ends up being this? Yeah, I know that. I'm not, I'm not that arrogant or that stupid to think that there won't be. But at this point in time, that's what I see. Four, Steve. Four. Now you're trying to find, okay, a number two defenseman, a top three defenseman, a good second line player. Like that, that's what you're trying to find. <laughs> well, you mentioned Lidstrom. You know, third round pick Ken Holland said, if we all knew what he was, of course, we don't take Lidstrom that suit. And he admitted that part of it is it's like saying, why don't you buy that penny stock? There's millions of penny stocks. How did I know they were going to hit the uranium or the like, are you kidding? It's always the don't redraft. That's like having a test with all the answers. And you think now you look like a genius. Like you need to go back in the time and say that people really liked Chris Phillips or Brian Lautner or, 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 or Alexander Degg. It's easy now to do it. I'll say this. Marchand was a third round pick. Look what he was. Uh, 37 Bergeron was a second round pick. Look what he was. So we can, I, I'm ending on Joe Pavelski in the great 03 draft to make it even better. Joe Pavelski at 37 is aging like one of the best bottles of you name your favorite red wine. He was great on Wednesday night. Unbelievable with uh, Robertson and Hints on the top line. I hope he can play till he's 40. I think he can. He's the best tipper. I don't know if he's a great tipper, but he's a great tipper, deflector. I, I say great. I love seeing it. Uh, I love Joe. And you know what? Where we rank you doesn't mean that it has to be there. We started with Bergeron. He turned himself, or, or Mar both guys, Bergeron and Marchand. I'll end with him. He started down the list and he moved himself to the top. Wherever you're classified in life doesn't mean you have to stay there. Economically, socially, whatever it is, folks. So you determine. You determine your own fate like these now older, but then youngsters did. And I'm going to finish with this. On episode 30 of the Cool Button Uncensored Hockey Podcast, I'm going to tell you what wine I would compare them to. It would be a Penfolds Grange. Delicious. Hey, I haven't forgotten the two stories you were going to tell us. We'll save those. Remember last one? We'll save those for 31 and beyond. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.